Working Interferences is intended for mature audiences. Since the hosts never grew up, someone needs to be the adult. Welcome to Working Interferences with Josh and Lance, the dental advice podcast for the average dentist. Here is Josh and Lance. Bruz, what is up? Welcome to the Working Interferences Podcast, the Dental Advice Show. I am Joshua Austin. And I am Lance Timmerman. Lance, you creative arpeggiator. <laughs> what the hell is an arpeggiator? Oh, God, I don't know. I'm kind of afraid to find out. So if you're a new listener to the show, the software we use is called Squadcast to record this thing, and it always gives Lance a weird name. Um, it's like a Mad Libs name where it just pulls out like a, a adjective and a noun. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know what this means. Arpeggiator is a synthesis tool that uses MIDI or control voltages to cycle through a series of notes according to a clock rate and note division. Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, that sounds about I would, right. I would have never thought to call you that. I've been called worse. You have been called worse, yeah, by many, my wife and many times, and many other people. To be and, honest, that's true. That's it's true. not just honk, <laughs> honk if you're honk if you're an arpeggiator. Um, at least you're a creative one. That's you know? right. It's mm-hmm. better than being an uncreative. That's right. Arpeggiator. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had something happen to me last week, Lance. That's a, 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 something that a dreaded thing that happens to everybody. Do you need uh, antibiotics? No, it's not that. Oh, okay. um, it's it's uh, arguably worse. Oh, um, fraud on the the office, uh, oh. you know, business account debit card. Oh no! Which means that you know, like, there's just so much stuff like auto bills to yes. that to that card. I've and had that. It, yeah, it's it's pain bad. in the so ass. I I get an email. I wake up to an email, um, and uh, the email is like, "Hey, did did you make these charges?" And that's always a fun one <laughs> because there, there's two outcomes. What one of them is that you didn't make the charges and now you have to deal with fraud, which is what happened. Uh-huh. Here. And the second one is that you purchased something sloppy enough <laughs> that your yeah. bank was like, this could not have been you. Did you really subscribe to porn? Yeah. Maybe. It, it, when I was in like when I was in dental school, I'd get a, a fraud alert because of like eating too much fast food in a short period of time. <laughs> okay. And it was like, you know, USAA bank would say, uh, did you make the following charges? It'd be Taco Bell, Taco Cabana, Whataburger, 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 Taco Cabana, Las Palapas, Jack in the Box, Taco Bell, Sonic. And it would be like a three-day period. Or one. Like, I, maybe my bank should just send me something that says like, you're a pig. You should yeah. actually eat real food and not garbage. But I was in dental school. What, what are you supposed yeah, to do? Yeah, it happens. So this one was, I wake up and it, it's the email of like, hey, you know, these suspicious charges, mm-hmm. uh, you know, click here to confirm, click here to say you didn't do it. Right. And there's only two charges. Oh, good. And one of them was uh, Old Navy. Okay. And the other one was American Eagle. And so I at least kind of feel good that my bank realized like, hey, <laughs> you're not that doesn't hip. seem right. <laughs> Where's your mom jeans? Yes. <laughs> so I click no, and uh, you know, of course, it's like, all right, we got to shut down your card and send you a new one. And they, and it was like a hundred bucks, you know, it was like sixty bucks at Old Navy and forty bucks at American Eagles, something crazy like that. Okay, not 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 yeah. a ton of money, not not a big deal, just the biggest bigger inconvenience more than anything. 
But I'm just right. like I I I feel like these thieves need better self esteem. So like if you're gonna steal my card, <laughs> use it at a place better than Old Navy or American Eagle. Yeah, go get a Lamborghini. Yeah, like could you could you check into a Lululemon? You know, is is, is there uh, is there a Nordstrom around? You know, where you mm-hmm. could maybe use the card at. So true. Here's the weird part, though. So oh. the, the the bank can actually give me a new card the same day. Like the 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 branches have printers now where they can print oh, a new yeah. card. Uh-huh. So you don't have to do the five to seven days. They just went through the drive through and they got me a new card. It was no big deal. But yesterday I'm at my office and I get a package, and it's a one of those poly bag envelopes. Okay. And it says to Joshua Austin, and then it says like it says Joshua Austin, and then under that it says attention Austin, which was weird. And it has my address and it okay. says from American Eagle. And I open it up and it's a pair of underwear. <laughs> it's okay. a pair of like boxer briefs, bright red in extra small. <laughs> so I know I didn't, I, I obviously did not order these, but so what <sighs> the person stole my card to order junk and accidentally sent it to the ship or to the billing address instead of the shipping. That's how horrible of a thief wow. they are. Wow, worst. Not thief only did ever. they, and they didn't shop at any place good. And the the crappy thing that they did buy, which is a pair of extra small underwear from American Eagle, got sent to me and not to them. Wow. Did you smell them? I know they're in they're in a package. I, I was going to throw them away, and the, so the first, next thing I did was like a looked for like a packing. You know, a packing slip or right, a receipt right. or something. There was nothing card. else in the bag. Nothing. Hmm. There was just a pair of underwear. New with tags. They weren't used. All right. What's, it's very strange. It is very strange. I'll so now I have this pair of extra small American Eagle underwear. Okay. Do you, could you use those, Lance? Uh, have you seen me? <laughs> <laughs> extra small. Jesus <laughs> I will, villages. I will open up, I will open them up and take a picture. Not, I obviously will not be in them because I could not fit them above my knees <laughs> uh-huh. if I tried, but just a picture of me and them. So you can see the scale. I will okay. post it on, on the group. Okay. Um, because it is, um, it's just wild. <laughs> wow. Ah, hmm. uh, Lance, this is an advice show. Sometimes. Uh, we answer your questions. We answer questions from all those neat little dental Facebook groups. We answer questions from Reddit. Reddit. We strive to help dentists and dental team members with our own unique brand of advice. So please, we need your questions. They are the sustenance you crave. We crave. You can submit your, submit your questions too. I've only done this 140 <laughs> times, Lance. I know. I, I, I don't get it. You can submit your questions to workinginterferences at gmail.com. Now, we don't want just any questions. Do we, Lance? Remember that this is a clean episode. No, thank you. No, thank you. That's exactly <laughs> what we say. We use our big boy words. Uh-huh. <laughs> we don't want a bunch of boring questions like, what's the best underwear? Because we all know that free underwear is the best underwear of all time. Mm-hmm. We want the questions that Gordon Christensen cannot answer. Should I even ask, Lance? You know what I'm thinking. Should I even ask it? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Everyone who regularly listens to this show knows what I want to ask. Yeah, you got um, it. And I'm right. not going to ask it, but just all so right. we all know, we all yeah. know it's there. Okay. Um, hey, we have a we have a segment this week. It's a little it's a little interesting. Um, mm-hmm. 
I don't remember what episode it was, but we've we've done something like this before, mm-hmm. um, where we have somebody on who like actually really knows what they're talking about. That's weird. It's it's very it's it's off brand for us, really. A little bit, a little bit. Um, <laughs> so we're gonna cut to that segment. We're gonna do a question with um, I would say an expert, wouldn't you? Up, oh, yeah, definitely an expert. Just ask a size of ledge. Hey Lance, do you remember early on in the run of the show we did a segment called "Impose on an Expert"? Yeah, I do recall. And it happened to be a period honest uh, for that one as well. I went to Brian Mealy's house um, and right. we talked about uh, non-treatment of perio disease. And and that was That's fun right. because I sat at his kitchen table while his wife cooked dinner and uh, asked him stupid questions about perio. Um, and awesome. Today we have we have a similar thing going on. We, we have, um, well, I mean, there's, you know, we love in Size of Ledge magazine and there are 32 most influential people in dentistry. And we have someone... And we do. On the list this week, uh, all the way from Seattle, Washington, Dr. Michael Cohen, number 14 on the list, if you're keeping score. Welcome to the show. It's great to be here. I, I'm actually on the B list. Uh, I didn't make the top 10, but that's okay. Well, we spent a whole episode talking about that top 10. <laughs> and uh, we've had, so this is now, we now have had uh, number 13 on the list uh, on the show. That was Michael Appa. Um, and then now we've had number 14 and so I feel like we're, we're doing pretty good. So if that's the B side, I'll take that B side over 95% of the people on the A side. Any day. Well, it seems like I'm sharing that spot with Frank Spear. That's not a bad person to share that with. I finally arrived. That's a good, that's a good place to be. Yeah. Um, last year you were, uh, where were you last year? Do you remember? I was number 16 last year. Okay. So you're moving up. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's a good trend. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm feeling like, uh, there's hope. <laughs> you know, I, I, I feel a little sorry for Coyce because Coyce got, got grouped with, uh, with Christensen. And so, you know that's always that's always an an iffy deal right there. We we love Gordon on this show, um, but uh, you know you know I feel like I feel like Coyce is kind of in a class of his own uh, in in that one. I don't know. About no, you. he he doesn't need this list. You know he's <laughs> he's he's doing pretty well. We got a we got a question that I think uh, Dr. Cohen you you could help us with, and so I'm just going to read the question and then we can talk about it. So okay, this is a question from a listener. Uh, this question says, "Hey guys." Been loving the show since Duke University. Dr. Cohen, that's a, a callback to our first episode, actually. Okay. Um, like most dentists, I've been watching a lot of these webinars and virtual meetings. They're fine. Some are pretty good, but I really miss in-person stuff. I'm in Ohio and the ODA, I'm assuming that means Ohio Dental Association, meeting just got canceled this year. I guess most other meetings are having the same issue. I really want to do in-person CE, but the idea of, or even the possibility of, a big dental meeting seems strange, crazy, impossible. How are you guys going to scratch this proverbial CE itch? Stay fresh, you, you cheese bags, D-Man and Dayton. And that's our uh, Dr. Cohen. That's uh, He's not insulting us. That's what we say to end the show, stay fresh, cheese bags. So that's that's what that's from. So okay. I, I thought maybe you might have some insight on this. This is a, a, a gentleman who would like to go to some CE, but all the meetings are canceled. So do you, you have any ideas for him that, that might? Well, I can tell you that even before COVID, the big meetings were having issues. Sure. And uh, the reason uh, wasn't the gathering issue. 
the issue really was that uh, it's not the most effective way to learn. And uh, I uh, happened onto something many years ago called the Seattle Study Club. And uh, I, I, did, I did it by feel. I felt that uh, small group learning was really the best way to go because people could do that in their own communities. They could gain from collaboration uh, with colleagues. There was the opportunity for mentorship. Uh, and I believe that the greatest resource a community had was each other. Now, and, you said hap you happened on Seattle Study Club, which I find to be an interesting choice of words. So explain why you chose that you happened on Seattle Study Club, because I think that there may be more to it than that. Well, when I got out of the Perio program at the University of Washington, uh, I knew that the lifeblood of a specialist is referrals. And so I um, thought about it. And of course, I didn't invent the study club, but I thought the study club would be a great way to um, help people become more proficient at diagnosis and treatment planning. And if they did that, then that would lead to wanting to provide higher quality care, higher quality dentistry. And if Perio was a part of it, then uh, I would benefit and it would help me uh, grow my practice. So I, I sort of happened on to the idea of a study club uh, based upon it being the vehicle that I could use to get to where I was going at the time. It was not easy because uh, people felt like I was coercing them into it. And uh, I absolutely was. And uh, if my reflexes weren't so slow, it would have died on the vine. But uh, 10 years later, one evening, I decided let's invite a patient in. And uh, we had about 12 members at the time. Not the same 12 members, by the way, that uh, we had in the beginning because we were losing people every year because they didn't realize they needed it, whether I was pulling them in or not. But uh, at any rate, uh, we examined the patient, broke up into teams, treatment plan the patient, and uh, 45 minutes after the entire evening was over, people were still in the parking lot arguing as to which way to treat the case. So I knew I was on to something. And from there, basically, everything I did was for my study club and that is provide more opportunities for interaction because that's what people love, clinical interaction, and actually hearing what others in the group had to say. And uh, so I went back to school. I learned a lot about the delivery of education outside of dentistry. I brought it into dentistry, and uh, I had a great program. I developed a curriculum. I, I looked at it as a university without walls. And that is uh, providing uh, for individuals in the field what they couldn't get anymore uh, because they really didn't have the luxury of going back to school. So now, during that first uh, argument outside of that first uh, live patient study club, was it Kokich? who took a beer bottle and broke it and threatened to, to shank somebody because they didn't agree with the treatment plan. I can uh, just picture him doing that. Actually, yeah. 
actually, you know, I've, I've seen him come close, uh, but never really, uh, you know, got uh, the, the arm never really raised high enough for that. Okay. Good. Lance uh, is, uh, Lance does a, a lot of comprehensive treatment and, and Lance, uh, I heard well. Dr. Well, I heard Dr. Cohen say a phrase that I, to me, I, I think is the key and, and I, I want your quick opinion on it. Diagnosis and treatment planning. I mean, is that, is that just the key to everything from somebody who does, who does big cases every day? Well, that's where we start. Yeah. It's and, kind and, of, I think that the word is important. Is that where we're going? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I would say it's the backbone of all of it, right? Okay. You, all right. You, don't, all right. you don't get to the days that you did where you deliver a couple full mouths without without yeah. that first step, right? It would be the keystone, that top stone in the arch. Yeah. So, yeah. Keystone. I like that. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, the thing is, is as, uh, as I have found out over the years, um, with all of the mistakes that I made, uh, that um, the closer you come to an accurate diagnosis, uh-huh. the uh, more predictable the treatment the better the result and the longer it lasts. I think that's, I think that's all true. That would be true. When you started the study club, did you have any idea that you would be affecting the careers of dentists all over the country? And I say that as somebody, I say that earnestly and honestly, we, we, we practice a lot of sarcasm on this show and that that's not a sarcastic comment. That, that is true. Um, the Seattle study club changed my career and, and I'm sure you didn't, you didn't go into the thinking that you would do that, but I, I'm hoping you've, you're, you're to the point now where you're realizing that, that the influence that you've had on so many clinicians careers, um, in, in the best way possible. And, and I'm curious what your thoughts are about that when you sit at the back of a symposium or something like that and think about sort of all the people that this has touched. Um, it's a tough one for me. Uh, I can tell you that um, I was not a visionary. There was no master plan to this. Basically, it was done by feel. I knew that if I could help people, that uh, it would come back to me in terms of fulfillment because I'm the type of individual that is much more comfortable giving than receiving. And uh, that's really, I don't need anything in return. And so um, I've spent a lot of time helping people and they don't even have to ask me for it. I, uh, I enjoy it. It's what it's about. Uh, it really has never been about a, a, a pro forma uh, with the Seattle Study Club. And, uh, and my bottom line shows it. But by the same token, uh, we've had a great time and we have done well. Don't let me uh, make you believe that we haven't done well. But by the same token, uh, um, it's, it's really been about the relationships. It's about getting to meet Josh Austin and spending time with him, uh, actually facing him in an airplane uh, you know, uh, going to northern Minnesota and and just talking and uh, getting to know him and uh, and feeling like I could tell him that he had a long way to go. I still do. <laughs> still do. Um, so D-Man here, you know, is is concerned about he wants to do in-person CE. I think we can all agree 
that really in-person CE brings something to the table that virtual CE doesn't. And virtual CE is fine and it's good. Um, but the in-person stuff, especially treatment planning and, and things like that, the, the dynamics of that, you know, um, really happen in person. And um, we were talking earlier uh, off air about the number of Seattle study clubs that are, are, are planning programs uh, for this coming year. And, and could you kind of give us some of those numbers about what you're seeing throughout the network? Uh, well, as you know, uh, and uh, a number of your listeners know, uh, Seattle study clubs around the country and around the world have directors, the individual that basically runs the club and is responsible for creating the yearly curriculum for that club, although they have lots of guidance from us uh, and actually programming consults that are mandatory so that we can make sure that the programs that they're providing their members are at a very high level. Um, so uh, these are individuals that are generally self-starters for the most part, and they like to do things themselves. Well, uh, COVID-19 rocked the boat and rocked the foundation for many of these individuals, and they were frozen. And uh, they could not, with their clubs, uh, actually finish the last three programs of the year. We raced to the rescue and came up with seven great programs for them that they could provide to their members uh, pretty much uh, at a nominal cost. Um, we, uh, donated a lot to the process and, uh, most of the directors were frozen in terms of, uh, providing a program for their members for the 2021 academic year, which starts in, in September. So I decided on my own that I was going to create what I call the complete curriculum. That would be something that a director could take and it is turnkey and it uh, provides a lot of the things that the directors would normally seek in terms of the type of programming, except that it really, this time, truly met the needs of the individuals who are out there. So there were, there were programs or are programs that are gonna happen that meet the emotional needs, financial needs, um, clinical needs, and uh, gives the members a chance to come back and have what they don't have when they're looking at a screen. And that is face-to-face -face education, where you can fill in between the lines. It's very hard to talk to a computer screen. And uh, the warmth and the culture and all the things that go along with really becoming a um, an individual that can become a more complete clinician. And I'll give you an example. And, and this is interesting. Um, what I was talking before about this guy uh, or gal seeking uh, a high, a, um, the, the big programs that they can't go to anymore. And actually um, in dentistry in 2016, there's a study at the University of Pacific uh, and they took freshman dental students uh, in, uh, on the, in the area of endo. And what they did is they broke the class up, 140 students into 7070, and they decided they were going to teach them a, an endo technique uh, 
and then they were going to perform in the clinic. And what they were going to do is measure um, uh, knowledge acquisition uh, and also skills acquisition and performance. And so they had uh, half the group in small group learning where they could interact with each other. And then they had um, these large lectures. And as it turns out, it's really interesting, but in this particular study, uh, the, the knowledge acquisition in the group was about the same between the two groups. But when it came to performing in the clinic, there was no comparison between the two groups. Oh, interesting. That the, that the small group learners were far superior uh, to the um, to the large lecture and and what I do is I look at something like that and I say to myself, well, does that mean that small group learners in these study clubs are better able to go into the operatory and perform uh, at a much higher level than individuals sitting in a large lecture room and to back it up, actually, Abishai Sadan, I'm sure you know who he is. He's the dean of the dental school at the University of Southern California. I called him a number of months ago and I asked him how it's going because I was getting ready for a lecture that I was going to be giving on the future of uh, continuing education in Copenhagen. And I asked him how he's doing and how the, how the and he had one of the most successful continuing education programs, uh, continuing dental education programs in the country. And, and I said, so how are you doing? So he said, Michael, what continuing education program? We shut it down. Wow. So University of Southern California shut it down. And basically he said that now what they're doing is if uh, the only way that they'll do a program at the school is if the department can prove that they can pay for it, or they will be doing small programs with, uh, you know, hands-on type programs, the smaller programs that we have provided to our Seattle study clubs. That's what we do all the time. So between that study and uh, five other studies outside of dentistry, which all showed the same thing. And in some cases, even the knowledge acquisition is higher in the small groups, in the small group setting. Uh, and I said to myself, you know what, we're in the right place because this is the future of uh, continuing education. Yeah, you know, I, I just got word today that Densply Serona World uh, canceled their their in person part of their meeting, and they're they're moving virtual, and that's you know eight thousand people or so. And and you think about the logistics of trying to do an eight thousand person meeting today versus you know my study club, which is run by a, a really phenomenal dentist named Brian Schroeder, who who you guys know, um, and, and the the difference between putting on a, a, a meeting for 30 people versus 8,000. And, and Brian asked in his email, you know, how many of you want to do this in person? Um, and it was, it was almost unanimous that, that we all wanted to do that. And it just makes it so much simpler to do it with a, with a smaller group. And now we can actually do stuff in person and we can spread out a little bit and, and it just becomes so much more valuable. Um, when it comes to big meetings, I'll be honest with you, I've been to all of them 
Um, and, and there's one that's my favorite. And so you're knocking big meetings a little bit, but there's one that I have a particular affinity for in my heart. And that meeting happens at the end of January every year. It's called the Seattle Study Club Symposium. Maybe you've heard of it. Um, what are you guys thinking as far as symposium this year? Um, still too early to, to know. Are you leaning one way or another? I'm trying to get a little advanced scoop here because I'm, you know, it's a good time to buy airline tickets. Yes. So, you know, the one thing that um, makes the meeting so unique is the community that has uh, uh, come together and has developed over all of the years. And that's why, I mean, people come to that meeting partly for the education, but partly because they want to be with individuals that they, that have the same goals, that, that want the same things for themselves. They may be at different levels, but they all want to get better. And they all want to become more complete clinicians. And they know they can get it there. But the other thing that they can get at that meeting is they see how well everything is run and they see how the food is delivered and the entertainment and everything else. And they take a small portion of that back to their clubs and they, they allow their members the, uh, the, the, um, privilege in a sense in that being in that club to experience all of those things. And there are, of course, members that come to the big meeting. So as you can see, I've been avoiding the, yes. real, uh, the answer to the question. And, um, and what I can say is this, okay. Um, you know, Orlando is not the best place to be right now. <laughs> it works for the NBA. Okay, well, we can go in the bubble. We can do the Seattle yeah, Study Club bubble. The Seattle <laughs> Study Club bubble. So uh, we want to do the meeting live for the reasons that I've just given you. Uh, by the same token, it may have to be a virtual meeting, and uh, that decision will be made in the coming weeks. We'll have to figure it out. Um, I will say that. Um, I wish Densply luck with this meeting because one of the things that's happening in the digital world is called screen fatigue. Yeah. And uh, so I am very curious to see how they attempt to solve that because uh, it's, it's a real issue. And if you are going to run a half-day program or day program, it's very difficult different than running a multiple day program. And I think if you look at SPEAR and the, the uh, SPEAR symposium that they have. Your buddy, your partner at number 14. Yes, yes. Well, you know, they do a great job. They really do. And uh, they have decided that they are not going to run multiple days together, I think, for that very reason, because you know, so they'll take three Saturdays. And uh, I don't know how good an idea that is, but at least they are thinking about that. I think that's probably why one of the reasons they've made the decision that they've made. So, um, you know, uh, one thing that this all shows me, and that is that the more other companies and the more other entities move towards 
the, the virtual digital virtual world, the more the Seattle study club is going to stand out, the more it's going to separate itself from everything else out there. And I'll go down with the ship if I have to, but I really believe that this is absolutely the most effective way to learn. So D-Man here is in Dayton. I know you said uh, earlier that around 120 clubs had signed up for the complete program. Um, and I know there's more than that in the country. So is D-Man out of luck? Is there a Seattle study club in Dayton? Uh, and the answer is yes. Okay, it's good. In Dayton. Let's say that D-Man wanted to find out information about, you know, where, uh, who he would get in contact with or someone in any other, you know, city or town in the country, where would they go to learn about uh, Seattle Study Club? And if there's a, a chapter near them and the answer is almost always yes. Right. So how would they figure that out? They can go to our website at seattlestudyclub.com. They can actually use an antiquated uh, method and it's called the telephone. Uh, and they can dial 425-576-8000. That's 425-576-8000. 425-576-8000. That's, you know, when, when I used to watch um, these, uh, these auto um, uh, advertisements on yeah. television and they had to do it in a short period of time, they would speak that you didn't understand the word, but when it came to the telephone number, you they could remember it two or three times. So you could remember it. Operators um, are standing by. They can, uh, they can email Greg at seattlestudyclub.com and uh, he takes calls on weekends and evenings. All hours of the day. Uh, all a.m. of the day. And uh, that's how you do it. Now I'm at the Seattle Study Club website right now, and if uh, it looks like on the left hand side, there's a, a little a little button that says "Join a Club," and that takes you to a really nice um, Google Maps type document where you just type in your zip code, and it zooms you right into who is in the area. And I'm looking at just even in the United States. I mean, worldwide, there we're looking at stuff in Ireland and the UK and Scotland and Denmark and Germany and Italy and Spain. Um, but I there's stuff I basically to go to dinner when I travel. So that's, <laughs> that's great. Those clubs. I'm looking, there's basically a Seattle study club in every state except for North Dakota and Wyoming. So if you're in any other state, but those you are all set, it looks like. Yes. And we do those, we make house calls. Oh, okay, good. When you go to Dick Cheney's ranch uh, in Wyoming. To we do. do we programs. do. And we uh, just don't get shot while you're there. That would be, I'll it. try not to. Uh, Dr. Cohen, I, I just, again, I, I just want to tell you, thank you so much for everything you've done. And, you know, I, I we talk a lot about, about, and, and on the show, it becomes a, a topic because Lance does some speaking and I do some speaking and, you know, how much fun we, we enjoy or we, we have doing those, but really the, the best Seattle study club sessions aren't so much the lectures and the lectures are always great, but it's those treatment planning sessions that really are the thing that make a difference. And it's, you know, sometimes those are on a random Tuesday night or whatever, and you don't think those are going to be the ones that are really that, you know, that big of a deal. But you get to the end of the year and you look back and you think, what did I take out of this the most? Was it, 
you know, yeah, certainly we, we got to see Chris Ramsey speak and he was great. And we got to see Todd Williams tell his story about the, the gardener at the, the four seasons in Maui. And, and we got to see uh, Bob Marges do, you know, a, a, a class four composite like nobody else in the world. Um, and, and, but really it's the, those treatment planning sessions and um, that, that really set this apart from everything else. And I was a dental student. I was a junior dental student and uh, a guy named Eric Rindler asked me, to go to two different study club meetings. And it was the first real exposure I had to continuing education outside of, of dental school. And the first thing he asked me to was a full day lecture with a person who I didn't know. Uh, I never heard of him before. Um, it was some Brazilian guy named Newton Fall. And here I am, a junior dental student watching Newton Fall um, and literally realizing that I'm looking at the best person in the world for composite dentistry. Um, and then a couple of weeks later, there was a treatment planning session. And even though Newton Fall was amazing, and I'm still a huge fan of his today, the treatment planning sessions, what I, what I left with it being like, holy moly, there were so many ideas flying through here. I feel like I learned so much in 55 minutes. So um, it, it's, it's just an amazing thing you've created. Thank you so much. I know there's a lot of people that listen to this that, that feel the same way. So thank you for everything. And thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it. You're very welcome. And uh Lance and Josh, you do a great job with this podcast. And I don't know about that. <laughs> I, hey, listen, I, I may even tune in. Oh, you get, listen to this one. <laughs> Be careful with the other ones because some of them, you know, it depends on how many glasses of wine we've had. So, okay. Well, listen, thanks for having me and uh, take care, everyone. Thanks so much, Dr. Cohen. Okay. Bye bye. Bye. That was good. I enjoyed listening to Dr. Cohen. That was awesome. No, he's... he, um, I, I, I don't, I'm, I really, we call him the Godfather, um, kind of on, on the speaker circuit side of, uh-huh. of Seattle study club, like Margis sure. and Ramsey and Ritter, um, and, and Marcos Vargas. And we, we all call him the Godfather. Um, cause he is, you know, and, and is one of those people like for some reason, um, at some point, you know, he saw something in me and, uh, gave me, uh, un- ungodly opportunities, you know, um, and, and my life's better for it. So. Um, yes, he does have a ring. It does have, uh, it does have, a uh, uh, the Seattle Kraken logo on it. Uh, now it used to be a Seahawks <laughs> logo, but now it's the Kraken logo. Um, Go yeah, Kraken. you've got to kiss it and you have to do, um, you know, a, a, a 17 hail Cohen's, um, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's part of the deal. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not really holy water. It's, it's holy silver Oak, uh, you know, the red wine from stag's leap. Um, you know, you, you, you have to throw that over your shoulder and dip your fingers in it and make the sign of, uh, the sign of the Cohen, uh, mm-hmm. you know, is, is, is what that is. And, uh, no, it's, it's, um, you know, I don't know. He's, he's, he's a pretty amazing guy and a super interesting guy. And, and yet, you know, Hey, you're not going to be able to get CE really any other way this year, other than a screen um, yeah. or in a small local study club, you know, and I think, and so. I think a Seattle study club is, is the way to go for that. Um, how about another question? All right. Um, how about back to our regular nonsense? As we should. Reddit user twisted mackerel asks, is it illegal to pull your own teeth? Am I free to extract my own teeth without a license? Is this illegal? How wrong could it go? I think that last question. Part <laughs> yeah. Of the question. So should we start there? Because <laughs> there's layers to this uh, manicotti, to uh-huh. this uh, Reddit Reddit dental manicotti. Yeah, it clearly shows the level of intelligence of this person. Sure. Right there. 
I don't. We're, we're gonna do. We're gonna do philosophy in a minute. Okay. Oh, okay. But let's let's start with the end. How wrong could this go? Well, if you've ever spent time in my own office, you will know how wrong it can go. Yeah, in that you've done thousands and thousands of these, and sometimes it still goes really, and it's really still, wrong. Exactly. I'm trained, and things still go sideways. And you're a better surgeon than me because you do all on fours and shit like that. Uh, so you've probably, I mean, you've, you've surg- you're surgically more evolved than I am, Lance. I'll put it that way. Okay. Do you know what a Versa is? Or a- I do. The Versa Burr? Yeah. I, I, got, I got a report back from my periodontist. <laughs> okay. I said that on there and I called him and I was like, um, <laughs> what, what's the Versa? <laughs> and he had to explain it to me. I was like, oh, okay. I don't feel so bad for not knowing that because it feels like pretty in the weeds surgically, but uh, that feels like a Lance thing. Lance would know what a Versa is. Yeah, I know. Okay. I don't have any. Uh, um, I, I, this is always comes up during like a mid-level provider talk, you know, where they talk about like, oh, we oh. have dental therapist or, yeah. um, you know, hygienist with expanded functions and things like that that could, yeah. that could do simple extractions is always what it gets said. And then, <laughs> uh-huh. you know, the, the easiest, the easiest defense in the world is. They're all easy until they're not. Until they're not. <laughs> right. And then at that point it's, you know, it, it, it goes nuts. And so. Yeah. I, you know, I, I remember, I still remember to this day I was in, it was in junior. No, I was a senior in dental school and I was doing okay. immediate denture. All right. And, and this, I still remember the guy's name. His name is Jody. He's big black guy. His nephew actually played in the NFL. Oh. Um, he's, he's a great guy. I really liked him. He's one of my favorite patients. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, you know how that goes in dental school, like to get to the point where you're going to do an immediate denture. It's like, it was like 10 appointments at that point, you know, of, <laughs> yeah, yeah. of all the stuff. And so it's extraction day and I broke off three, I broke off tooth number three. And I got the, the mesial buckle and distal buckle roots out, but I couldn't get the palatal root out. Okay. And so the way the dental school in San Antonio was set up, it's not set up like this anymore, but we all had our own operatories and they were all down hallways and you were broken up into group. And so like all the groups would be, uh, all the people in one group would be down one hallway and people in mm. another group would be another hallway. And this was on like the left side of the clinic. And then the right side of the clinic was specialty. And so like oral surgery was on my floor, the third floor. Okay. Um, and so when you, once you had done your oral surgery rotation, you could then do oral surgery in your own operatory, like with your own group faculty, oh, Okay, which is great. Um, yeah, way more cause they're a little bit easier to work with and it would just yeah. made, like things went faster. Um, until <laughs> you broke something off and I couldn't get it and my attending couldn't get it. So we had to, I had to do what's called the walk of shame where I had to take the patient with like my whole surgical st- setup, like walk through the clinic to the oral surgery side and tell Dr. Spackman that I couldn't get this, this stupid root out. And so they had to find an, it's just such, it's like, it truly is a walk of shame yeah. because if they see, if anybody else sees you walking down the hallway with a surgical kit in your hands everyone knows what happened is that you screwed something, you boofed it. Oh yeah. And now you need their help. So I I still, to this day, remember Dr. Spackman playing with that damn root for like 30 minutes. And he finally just said, give me Ron Jures. And he put, he, he put the Ron Jures on the lingual plate on one side and the root on the other. And he just snapped the lingual plate. (laughs) (laughs) It just took that all bad boy out. And then he just shoved some gel foam in it and just sutured it up. And so 
that's an oral surgeon who's taken out, you know, God uh-huh. knows tens of thousands of teeth. And he uh-huh. even had a hard time with it. That's how, that's how wrong this can go. Yes, yeah. Well, I got, so even today a patient, long-term patient comes in and she broke a tooth. It's number 15 and it's just, there's hardly anything showing. And I had, I had a busy day today and tomorrow's a little lighter. And I said, well, I don't really have any time to even attempt this, but I could give it a good old college try tomorrow if you want. And, uh, We'll see where it goes. So uh, don't <laughs> don't break off the tuberosity, my, my my dude. Or get an elevator into the sinus. I've heard that's. I've bad. done all of these things. <laughs> all of these things I've done. I have done them all. I've put roots into sinuses. Uh huh. Um, I put elevators into sinuses. I've broken off plates. Yeah. Um, and that's like us that have done this a lot. And uh-huh. so that's how that's how wrong this could go. Um. If it's the other thing, like if it's a decayed canine, uh-huh. there's no chance that they have of getting that root out. If it's a maxillary yeah. molar with three divergent roots, there's no chance they have Mm-mm. of getting the whole tooth out. It's just not going to happen. They're going to get the crown off. Well, there's even the time where it's a totally perio involved. I'm like, oh, I got this. I'm not, I don't have to refer. And every, yeah, and every once nope. in a while. Oh, God. I Yeah. Yeah. So, so it can go very wrong. It could be very, very it could wrong. Very, it could go very wrong. Um, I, the wrongest it could go would be like a buccal space infection because you broke it off mm-hmm. and you thought you got it all, but because you don't know anatomy of teeth and you don't have a radiograph, you leave a root in there, the root abscesses. And next thing you know, you've got, you know, um, uh, what could potentially be a real problem. So that's, that's the, like the wrongest it could go. Yeah. That it, sounds about. I'm thinking of like a bleeding issue or something, but that would be like a, a impacted third or something. They're not going to do probably that. like of a yeah. tooth that's erupted. I can't imagine them causing like an issue of bleeding. That would be an issue. It's really just breaking something off and then getting it. And yet, tooth, right. I, I had a routine extraction. I think I'd only been out for like a year or two and I just had pulled a tooth and you know, the patient calls like the next day and it's still bleeding. I'm like, what? Why? And then, uh Oh, what do we got? Grip it and rip it, baby. Uh, Coke Zero. Okay. Uh, I can't find any cherry. That there's apparently there's a shortage of aluminum oh. cans. Oh, really? Yeah, and uh, none of I can't find cherry flavored anything, which is normally like Diet Dr Pepper cherry flavored or Diet or Coke Zero cherry or even the 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 Diet Coke feisty cherry. Any of those are cherry. Oh, wow. Cherry Seven Up. All those gone. So I'm okay. just having to settle okay. for. Shorted in Perry and uh, coins. Yes, and coins. Short on coins. I'm here with just a plain Coke Zero like an animal. Um, Wow. All right, so that's how wrong it could go. Mm -hmm. Is he free to extract his own tooth without a license? Hell hell yeah. Is he free? Anything to yourself, you're free. Knock yourself out. I get made fun of a lot for saying this next sentence. This somebody will chime in and say, like, with a bingo, uh, with the working interferences bingo, of like, this is one of the squares when Josh says this. I'm a libertarian. <laughs> uh huh. I have heard that. I have Which heard. Which is true. Uh-huh. I, I am a libertarian to, to a certain extent. Okay. Have we found the extent? I mean, I, you know, I, 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 there's a little wavering back and forth from from time to time, but at the end of the day, I I, I really do feel like 
people should have the freedom to make their own personal decisions for most things in their life. Okay. And I get it. Like, I, I don't want to get into like a whole libertarian debate. And okay. it's really easy to make fun of libertarians right now, um, especially the left likes to do that. <laughs> um, uh-huh. And again, I think I've been pretty outspoken against our president um, on, on several occasions to show that I'm not just like a, a, a super hard right GOP libertarian kind of guy. Um, I just feel like, hey, if you want to make uh-huh. a decision, like you should have to deal with those consequences, but you should be free to make that that decision. And so am I free to extract my own teeth is an absolute yes. Yes, bro. You are absolutely free to do that. However, when you break that shit off, you're going to have to pay to have an oral surgeon or Lance mm-hmm. or, or, or uh, a periodontist or somebody finish the deal for you. Cause you're not going to be able to finish it, but you're free to start just knowing mm-hmm. that, Hey, it, it, it's going to, it's going to do that. Do you agree? I agree. And you're going to suffer a little bit because yeah. you're going to be in a lot of pain and we might not be able to get you in right away. And guess what? I charge extra for this shit. So yeah, I would agree. <laughs> There's a little pita fee on this. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. If, if I have this like dude comes in and he, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and, and has his, uh, has his craftsman brand pliers, uh, you know, in his, in his hands, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. says, I tried to do this on my own and, and, uh, and, and here's where we are. Um, really the smart move is to get a screwdriver, just a, a straight edge <laughs> screwdriver and use that as an elevator first. Or um, just stick it in your ear and shove real hard. Yeah, that, that will probably, you'll, <laughs> you'll do the same thing. It's fine. <laughs> you have, you're, you'll probably Problem's break over. out the tuberosity just like, just like you will with your, with your, uh, with your pliers. Um, so I love that he added in without a license because <laughs> that makes it like now regulatory agencies are going to get involved. Like the right, Texas right. state board of dental examiners who could come knocking on the door and be like, uh, excuse me. Um, first off, you owe $795 for a license. Uh-huh. Oh, and uh, you didn't practice this to the standard of care. So um, we're going to also have to find you three grand or whatever. Yeah. I yeah. do love that idea of sort of, if he didn't put that in, Am I free to extract my own teeth? But without a license, like as now, ostensibly, he's now talking about the dental board. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's do you guys have boy. Do you guys have a problem in Seattle of people opening like dental, uh, people who aren't dentists opening dental clinics like in their garage? I haven't heard it of any, but whenever I do hear of them, they're always in the South, like in Florida or Georgia. Yeah. We so- have about once a year, we'll have a troubleshooters. Hmm. You know, or whatever, like the investigator on the news that goes and does, you know, yeah. the hard hitting investigative journalism, of little, little sting operation of finding fake dentists in the south side of San Antonio, Texas. Huh. But yeah, so somebody will pop up with like a with a, a garage dental clinic every once in a while. Um, and, and, and someone from the news will always bust them. And um, the TDA would always complain about it to the State Board of Dental Examiners. And the state board of dental examiners would always say, um, we don't have any jurisdiction here because they're not a dentist. So we only can govern dentists. Uh-huh. So we can't send anybody to shut them down because they're not a dentist. Yeah, like, yeah but they're practicing uh-huh. dentistry. Not as a dentist. That should be part yeah. of your purview. Yeah. Oh, no. Like our purview is only dentists. Interesting. So if you're in, like, th- then it would be like, oh, you have to call the DA. And of course, like you call the DA and it's like, Oh yeah, you know, four cops were killed in the last year, and yeah. 
they've got bigger fish to fry than this. Like, yeah, yeah, we got Chaz burning in embers right now. Right. Um, I, I think we. <laughs> yeah, like they're not going to like stop the stop the presses and send the SWAT team out to this garage to shut it down. Right. So, so it always kind of falls in between purviews of of law enforcement, so to speak. But yeah, I would love that. I like. I would love. Somebody buying like one of those. Uh, we've talked about him before. Those uh, those ultrasonic units that are on Amazon. Oh yeah, I would love somebody ordering one of those, and then like they're just starting to use them, and uh-huh. just like in like the Beastie Boys video, like sabotage uh-huh. the the dental board just rolls in 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 uh, uh, windbreakers, <laughs> you know, and to just take the whole place down, like it's. Uh, like it's a like it's a crack house or something. I love that idea of just like always on the road, dental SWAT team. Yeah, you know, just like trying to find people operating oh. without a license. That'd be great. Have you ever heard of any dentists doing their own treatment? Every once in a while, someone will share a video of some guy doing his own root canal or his own implant on YouTube. Yeah. So, um, a guy I went to school with, Shane Ricci, who practices like in Plano, Texas. Okay. Uh, needed endo on like 25 and he did it himself, which is I, like, if you're going to do an endo yourself, that's the one you could do. I guess. But like, I, I maybe just I, go see an endodontist. Yeah. I mean, how cheap can you be? I mean, I don't think it was cheap. I think it was time, but. Uh, okay. I, I wow yeah I would never there there was a video floating around social media that was like a Russian dentist yeah that took out his own wisdom tooth do you remember that yeah I do I guess you know if it's especially if it's one it's like a single rooted ice cream cone and it's like you know maybe just a little a little elevation and those things pop out maybe you could do it maybe but but that's a dentist who's doing it on himself who's trained and knows what to do and, and yes, is used to working out of a mirror. Okay. You're I, not sold on this. Not at all. I mean, I I got one tomorrow that I'm going to have someone else to do on, and I still don't know that I, I'm going to be successful. That's a good um, chance. When I was in dental school, I got to work on a faculty member. Have I ever told you the story? No. It sounds so horrible. Like, nah, well, yeah, I mean, it was stressful as hell, but it was like such a badass. It was such like, it, it was a legend-making moment. Okay. So, um... I had a faculty, it was my senior year, and a faculty member, uh, Dr. Weed, um, who was a great guy, and uh, he he had a, a stroke recently and mm. um, is doing better, um, but he's he's since retired and uh, was just one of the good, like, just realist pragmatists, just like, mm-hmm. hey, you know, not everything's going to be perfect, and that's okay, okay, and, you know, we had to learn from stuff, and yeah. super approachable, just a really great faculty member to work with. So he comes up to me, he's like, I have a question for you. I was like, uh, okay. Um, he said, uh, your dad did an MOD amalgam on me on tooth number 14, uh, or no, it was like 19 or 30. I, I it was a first molar. I don't remember okay. which one. All right. Uh, and he said a piece of the, that amalgam broke. Um, and he said, I was thinking about it and I figured that you would never have a chance to work on a tooth that your dad worked on. Would you like to, uh, work on this tooth? I was like, Wow. Holy shit. Yeah. Like, that's yes. But <laughs> hold on. Let me breathe for a second. A little brown and alert. I was like, um, yeah, like, I mean, that's, 
first off, like that's incredibly thoughtful. Uh huh. Thank you so much for giving me that opportunity. I'd never have even thought about that. And now yeah. that you say that, like, yeah, I would love to be able to do that. He said, okay, I already talked to your faculty and they said, and, and Dr. Santos said, cool, he would, he would, uh, he would be attending and, and he would supervise you on it. Um, so let's just pick a date or whatever. And so we picked a day. And so he comes down and it was like, a, you know, a morning appointment. So he comes down like nine o'clock. Um, and he's like, I'm already numb. I was like, what? <laughs> he says, I gave myself a block. <laughs> about 30 minutes ago. Okay. And, and I just laughed. It's like, no, you're, you're just, you're messing or you're just trying to break uh-huh. the tension. Right. Yeah. Like, no, he really, he, he blocked, he gave himself a, a block. Uh, right. He gave himself an inferior block and a long buckle. Um, and that, that mother, that, that dude nailed it, man. Mm-hmm. He nailed it. I didn't have to re reanesthetize him once. And I, you know, this is dental school where it takes like two hours to do a buildup. Yeah. Um, so he, he nailed that. And so he numbed himself and I, I did the, I did the buildup. Um, and then later on did the crown prep and, uh, it was cool. It was. And so, you know, the coolest part about it was, uh, you know, the other people in my group would walk past my operatory uh-huh. and I had a freaking faculty member in my dental chair. Yeah. Like it was like an instant, like level up, like dude, street, street oh, yeah. cred, like immediately went up. Yeah, um, and, and I remember, uh, it was a half day that day. Um, and I remember after we got done, I looked at like, I looked at my back in the mirror and it was like sweat like, all the way down to my waistband. <laughs> it was, I, I just sweated through my scrub top and I didn't even know it. Like I, I, I never yeah. even thought about it or felt it. Uh-huh. Um, he was such a good dude and, and I missed that guy a lot. And, uh, I just, I, I, you know, the the couple of things I remember is just how thoughtful it was for him to to think to do that to think yeah. to ask me of that yeah. give me that opportunity oh, like a awesome. dental student I didn't know what I was doing and then the fact that he blocked himself is <laughs> so cool, that is um, cool. and I've never I've never tried um, I feel like it'd be a challenge do you think you could block yourself like if I had an, a, a syringe right now and and gave you a mirror as like I said you know uh, I'll, I'll give you five hundred bucks if you can. Uh, successfully execute an inferior inferior alveolar block on yourself. Could you do it? I don't think I could. I mean, I've done Botox on myself, but I I don't think I could do an inter. That's extra oral, though. You know exactly, exactly. Yeah. It wasn't. That's not hard. And, and so even so, I remember asking Shane if he gave himself a block when he did that that endo, and he uh-huh. said no. He just infiltrated it. I feel like I could very easily infiltrate myself. Yeah, probably. But yeah. to do a block is 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 a challenge. Yeah, that's. That's next level. I just I'm because I'm not used to doing a block in a mirror. I think that's that's the biggest thing is that I've yeah. never given a block in a mirror. I've only mm-hmm. ever given a block with direct vision. Yeah. I've infiltrated in a mirror before, mm. but I've okay. never given a block in a mirror. That's where it would. So I feel like you so, you'd yeah. end up going too. You'd either be too medial or too lateral. You wouldn't be able to get yeah. the right spot for sure. Um, props to Roger Weed for blocking himself, yeah. uh, which is which is pretty <laughs> crazy. Um, is it so? It's not illegal, obviously, because the 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 Beastie Boys uh, dental board playing sabotage is not going to come busting down your door. You're uh-huh. absolutely free to do it. Just be prepared to pay more afterwards, uh-huh. yeah. and it could go very wrong. Very very wrong. Let's see if uh, Twisted Mackerel has any other posts. When you know it, this is a throwaway account. This is of the only course. post they've ever made. Their All karma right. is zero. zero. No, sorry. Their karma is negative two. Negative two is their karma. 
let's see if we have any other good comments. Uh, is it illegal? No. How wrong can it go? Very. Uh, so yeah, we, we got there. Mm-hmm. I've never once seen a patient who is happy they tried to pull their own tooth. I don't, I don't know how many people I've, I've, I've had people say I wanted to pull my own tooth, but I've never had anybody that actually tried it. Yeah. When you finally uh, do go to the dentist, you will have made the situation more difficult, which will cost you more money. Yes. (laughs) No, it's not illegal. It's just really stupid. I think we agree with that. Yeah. Very stupid. Oh, how about this? Dr. Chat, Dr. Taz says, I had a patient break his own jaw trying to pull his own tooth. True story. It's a terrible idea. Yeah, that's, that's bad. I think we'll agree that is uh, not a good idea. Oh, listen to this. <clears throat> this is the original poster. Twisted Mackerel says, uh-huh. the plan I had was to snap them off and cause some havoc. Make enough of a mess so that they rush me into surgery to finish the job. It's diabolical, Lance. Uh, okay, this <laughs> has he not had tooth pain before? Yeah. And now he's going to snap a whole bunch of them off. I do like this. the The immediate comment is: there's no almost no such thing as a rush to rush to surgery with pulling teeth. Uh-huh. It's not like a uh, a pick. gunshot. It's not a gunshot wound. Yeah. It's not a yeah. They'll make you suffer for hours. And he says, if you want cheaper care or free care, look up a dental school or community clinic uh, uh, associated with a dental school. And he says, oh, I've never thought of that. (laughs) I mean, come on. What ER has an oral surgeon like right there? They're going to have to paid somebody. It's usually an ENT resident, to be honest with you. If they don't have an oral surgery program, it's an ENT resident. So what's an ENT resident going to do? He's gonna they're, call- gonna blo- they're gonna block you. They're they're gonna and give you Norco. That's what they're gonna do. Yeah, yeah. E- and even that, like, I I have a lot of uh, for some reason I have a, a fair number, fifteen or twenty ER physicians who uh-huh. are patients. Okay. Um, and I always ask them, I was like, could you give any free alveolar block? Um, and maybe four of them have said yes, and the other ones, like, I've given tips to, like, hey, if somebody comes in with a toothache on the lower give them a block and uh-huh. you know, here's, here's what you do. And this at least gets them out of pain, gets them out of your way yeah. so that you can get them on to, to somewhere else. Like it seems like a, a wise thing for an ER physician to know how to do. Yeah, I think. But many of them, many of them don't, hmm. um, twisted mackerel. Don't try this. Yeah. Don't try this at home. Bad idea. Uh, Lance, you got a song? Yeah, I could do a song. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you want a beer? Yeah, I could have a beer. Uh, hey, you want yeah. a song? Yeah, I could have a song. Yeah. Yeah, I could. I got yeah. one. I got one for you. <laughs> I got one for you right here. Yeah, mm. yeah. <laughs> um, hey, share this with your friends. Um, you have any friends that are into uh, into libertarian philosophy, <laughs> philosophical discussions? Then let them know about the show. Uh, that's how we grow the show, one new listener at a time. Uh, shoot us a rating, uh, Lance. What's your favorite number? Big fan of five. Do we say that was John Kitna? Was John Kitna number five? I don't think so. I think he was like number six. Nine. All right. Well, we, uh, fixed. I don't know. I should look that one up. How about Russell Wilson plus two? Huh? That's okay. He's three, All right. Right. Yeah. He's yeah, three. He is. Yeah. So Russ plus two. Uh, love the number five. Uh, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. If you're flicking through Podbean, flick five stars. Hit us up on the web, workinginterferences.com. Hit us up on all the social bullshits. Facebook, Facebook. <laughs> 
<laughs> All of a sudden, I turned Dutch for some reason. It is stuff on the Facebook. Uh, working interferences with Josh and Lance or funny shit for dentists and dental team members. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at Winterferences. Hit us up on Instagram at Winterferences. Uh, you can find Lance on Instagram at DR Timmerman DMD. You can find me on Instagram at Joshua Austin DDS. Mash that follow button. Lance, inform us of your song choice. You know, I thought I'd go a little retro, a little 2010. What? Lance goes retro? Just a skosh. Only to 2010. And then, uh, let me guess. Let me guess. Are they, are they British? They are. They're cartoons. On, oh, okay. Gorilla. We have to talk about this. Okay. So the, the band is the Gorillas. Uh-huh. W- which song are you picking? On Melancholy Hill. Is that the one? The one? Well, there's one that's like a super huge Gorillas hit. I don't think it's their biggest hit, no. What is their biggest hit? Uh, either Clint Eastwood. Or- I'm feeling glad I got sunshine. In a bag, I'm useless, but not for long. The future is coming on, it's coming on, it's coming on, it's coming yeah. on, it's coming on. Finally, someone let me out of my Um, Biggest gorillas ever is what came up on. Uh, Starshine or Clint Eastwood. I think Clint Eastwood probably is their biggest, but I don't know. Feel, feel good days. That's the one. That's sure. the the the. I believe the highest hit they've ever had. That's when I think of the gorillas. Okay, that's what I think of. Yeah. How can a band be a cartoon? I don't know. I I, I thought it was a dumb idea when they did it, but I like the song, so I'm like, ah, whatever. Okay, so can you go see them in concert? See that? I don't know. I don't. The correct really- answer is is no, you can't see anybody in concert. It's a pandemic, you idiot. Um, <laughs> but let's say there was not a pandemic, uh-huh. and you went to a gorillas concert. Yeah, I don't know if they ever did tour. I don't know. Who? Yeah, Damon Albarn is the lead singer. He's from Blur, and then you had that DJ. I don't know, DJ Mouse or something like that. Dead Mouse? Dead? No, I don't think it was Dead Mouse. It could have been. There's another DJ Mouse? I don't know. Let me look it up. That's <laughs> <laughs> like uh, Mighty Mouse and Mickey Mouse and Superman. You know, it's like Modest Mouse and there's so many Mighty Modest Mouse. Mouse. Yeah, it's got to be Dead Mouse, right? There's a there can't be a DJ artist Jamie Hewlett, uh, Stuart T D Pot, Murdoch Nickel Noodle, Russell Hobbs. I don't see. Okay. So this is obviously high concept and we're obviously like non artful rubes. Yeah. (laughs) But (laughs) yeah, I still don't get it. No. (laughs) 
but I like a lot of their songs. Okay, so the only when Danger Mouse, that's the guy. There's a Danger Dead <laughs> he, Mouse. He produced it. God, I feel so old. I feel so old. A little bit. Um, I got. I get the monkeys right. Uh huh. This is like a new version of the monkeys. Okay. All right. So the monkeys were all fake, right? Yeah, it was a band. Like the music created, was. It was created for a TV show, but they had actually produced some music uh, as a side project. But all the songs were written by some group of people, not the monkeys. Yeah, right? they they eventually did their own because they wanted to prove they were real artists, and it doesn't <laughs> wasn't as good. <laughs> you know what's stupid? All right, so I'm 41, which means I'm that 41. I was like, a, <laughs> I'm a man. I'm 40. I, it means I was in grade school in the 80s. Uh-huh. So, like, I have a few distinct memories of school in the 80s. Okay. One of them was the day the Challenger exploded. I distinctly remember yeah. that day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember, like, being sick when I was in elementary school and staying home. And, like, at some point in the morning, like, 930 on Nickelodeon would be the monkeys. And I remember the okay. stupid theme song. Hey, hey, we're the monkeys. And people say we monkey around. But we're too busy singing to put anybody down. Hey, hey, uh-huh. we're the monkeys. People say we monkey around. I, st- I, yeah. I haven't seen that in 30 plus years, and I still remember it. And I remember in like the opening credits... They mm-hmm. were like, they had like a four poster bed on wheels uh-huh. that was like being pushed down a, down street, a street, like a hill. Yeah. Uh-huh. What? Why do I still remember this? Trauma. <laughs> <laughs> so the gorillas are like a new version of the monkeys. Okay. Is I'll what I'm that. getting. I'll, I'll take it. All right. I just have to. I just have to. I'm just going to search this because we haven't done like a Joss search searches Google yet. Gorillas in concert. Let's just see what this says. There are YouTube clips of gorillas uh, in concert, and it looks like it's yeah, yeah. Band performance silhouette during the Demon Days live. Demon Days is my favorite concert, Lance. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) I've seen that on the Conjuring, um, the the Demon Days concert. yeah, so how is this how is this working? Oh, so they play cartoon shit in the background. Like they're at Barclay Center in New York City in October it's 2000- Brooklyn, Lance. Okay. 2018. So that's kind of current. Yeah, this is I'm um, a Gorillas. It's called Gorillas Humans Live. Huh. So yeah, it looks kind of like it's sort of a uh audiovisual. Uh I'm thinking like a Pink Floyd sort of right, right. spectacular. And soon they'll have the hologram of Tupac. And you know, I want I wanted I want Dent Spicer in a world to do like a big hologram uh-huh. of of uh, a CE course from Peter K. Thomas, like or some <laughs> other like famous dead dentist. Uh-huh. Uh huh. GV Black gives the whole yeah. Or GV Black, yeah. Yeah. We I think I feel like there's enough recording probably of Dawson over the years where we could make a <laughs> you could make a Match hologram of Dawson. Yeah. 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 Uh, like a Tupac level uh, hologram of of Pete Dawson uh-huh. um, talking about some stuff. This looks like a wild show. Yeah, I kind of want to go now. It's like a wild show. 
I mean, I would take any concert at this point. Yeah, no kidding. At this point, um, yeah. But yeah, it does look like they kind of have the cartoon characters illustrated playing uh-huh. uh, in sort of a big AV spectacular in the back, but it's it's all the guys who who play that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Cool. Good, right. good, uh, good pull. I'm, right. uh, uh, I'm glad we got to talk about the gorillas because I've... <laughs> Literally never thought I was going to get to have that conversation. I've, I've always wondered about them because I just did not understand how a band could be a cartoon. Yeah. Now you know. Nice. Nice. Uh, for Michael Cohen, for Lance Timmerman, I'm Joshua Austin. Peace. Stay fresh, cheese bags. you